Welcome to the podcast B2B Marketing, a guidebook for the classroom to the boardroom. My name is Uwe Seebacher and I'm happy to be your host. Welcome to the second part of my coffee talk with Peter O'Neill on MarkTech Landscapes. Uh, Peter, how can we overcome that problem that on both sides, on sales and on marketing, we have fastly growing IT landscapes with redundancies and overlaps? Yeah, yeah. I've just done a, a research project uh, analyzing what I call the sales engagement management um, market. And uh, I mean, the terms that I use when I research a market are, are the, the name of the process, not the name of a certain technology category. So uh, I had lots of discussions with uh, with vendors like Seismic and Showpad and so on that says, we're a sales enablement vendor. And I was saying, yes, but when I ask users or practitioners about their sales engagement management process, they name you and talk about you as being the platform. So um, there's, there's always an education process involved with these discussions. Uh, the vendors, of course, like to be in categories and have a certain shelf in the supermarket, but people who are buying those things, they think about things differently. Um, now, I think it's the responsibility very much on the side of marketing to provide information, data, intelligence, market intelligence, I mean, uh, and of course, content to the salespeople to make them more successful. Digital marketing is also becoming digital selling. Social marketing, social media marketing is also becoming social selling. So there's an uh, increasing element on the B2B side, especially where marketers are now working and helping sales to be successful uh, and for them to basically achieve success in their place in the, pro in the process, in the customer lifecycle. Mm -hmm. So it's all part of the whole marketing automation process, you grasp me. Recently, uh, a new term came up uh, because uh, referring to all what you were saying about the, the challenges, marketing orchestration. Yeah. What do you think about this new term now? Will it be hype or is it just a, a new term for something new, nothing, nothing new? Um, it, it's a function within that whole process of marketing automation, um, lead management and customer engagement. Uh, and it's basically having some sort of um, intelligent system brain in the middle of the software that understands what content what experience to provide to a certain visitor to the website or a customer at a certain time. And it's based on understanding the intent and the background and the interests of that buyer, visitor or customer and making sure that you can find the right content or experience and put that in front of them. So the orchestration is, is you know, that's almost artificial intelligence and that's how it's going to be basically solved. Uh, that can solve that problem because it's based on what previous people were doing and what was the most beneficial content that you were shown in previous um, scenarios. But do you really think uh, marketing orchestration can help to overcome the problem, which uh, I believe is much more an organizational issue that the, the different departments are not working uh, together, aligned and cooperatively, that sales is doing something and marketing. Many articles, many presentations always uh, bring up the topic that uh, with marketing technology, 
uh, marketing and sales are doing the same things and they're getting in a competition. Uh, do we really need another middleware for marketing orchestration or wouldn't we need something to overcome the silo thinking so that marketing and sales start to more more thoroughly work on to get on eye on eye on eye level in order to yeah. sustainably generate leads and sales. No, I mean a, the, a good marketing orchestration uh, program should be able to include, and then I said it, it makes decisions. The software makes decisions about the content or the experience it provides in response to uh, to a customer need. But that content or that experience that might be prompting a salesperson to call. It might be providing information to a salesperson so that they can make a visit to the customer or at least some sort of digital contact. Um, so th that really, the orchestration should include sales. Um, at the moment, what we have is very much the marketing automation deployments um, have become very technical and the marketers sometimes don't lift their head from their desk and think about the rest of the sales cycle. And the salespeople, uh, let's not underestimate their knowledge. They have, in the meantime, have learned how to do marketing. Um, they, you know, they use things like Yesware and whatever and outreach, uh, and they do their own little marketing, but only for, the, for their own address list, for only for the people they know. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the, that's where there's conflict sometimes. That's where a customer, at the end of the day, seems to be confused because they're getting messages from marketing on the same day that they're getting messages from the sales force. And they're sometimes different. In regard to the MarTech stack, what kind of challenges would you see or do you see for the B2B marketing managers and executive and us on operational level? Their major challenge at the moment I hear from, from various interviews just over the last uh, four or five weeks for a project is um, having enough competency in the organization to deal with the demands on data. It's, it's almost having a statistician that really has to be good at statistics, but also knows something about marketing or at least an instinct for marketing. Uh, and, and these skills are very difficult to find at the moment. Uh, so that, that's one of the, 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 the first issues that are coming up. The demand for using data productively and constructively, um, just having enough people to do that. Um, the other major issue that comes up most of the time is integrating between the different systems. Um, uh, a lot of people are wondering about should their system be customer-centric or content-centric? Uh, and lo and behold, that's a very basic decision to make because it steers you in two totally different uh, directions in terms of the technologies you might want to deploy and then the vendors you want to work with. Back in uh, 2011, the MarTech landscape had just a three-digit number of uh, marketing solutions. Now, 2020, we have 8,000. And do you anticipate such an enormous increase also for the next years? Or what do you think the MarTech landscape in 2025 will look like? It depends on how we count them. Um, I mean, I don't think the, the number of vendors is going to be... Uh, that's exploding that much anymore. Um, but... Technology itself, uh, not just in marketing, but in other systems, in other application areas, is breaking down into apps, breaking down into smaller components. Uh, and these smaller components are being contributed by sometimes smaller companies, but you know, more and more 
very often by what I call citizen developers, people who have sort of low-code programming capabilities within the organizations themselves. And so there's going to be more and more units of software around in marketing, but also in other departments, but not necessarily that many vendors anymore. Uh, I mean, the 8,000 is a very generous number. It's all the different logos on, on Scott Brinkler's slide. But uh, the number of vendors, I think, will consolidate because that's more of a business imperative than a technology mm. progression. Again, looking in the future, 2025, how would you see a market MarTech blueprint for an uh, B2B marketer for an average industrial company? What would that look like? Yeah, my, my modus is uh, to try and think of a, uh, of a of like a shopping mall. Shopping malls are usually closed in most countries at the moment, but I think everybody knows that metaphor. When you go into a shopping mall, what you normally see is uh, two, maybe sometimes three so-called anchor vendors. Those, those larger department stores, they're usually at the two ends, maybe in the middle of the, of the shopping mall that actually sell everything. Uh, and then when you're walking between those anchor vendors, you walk past the, the shoe shop, the sport shoes, the, the ties, the underwear, the chocolates. I don't know. The imagination will, will take I like on. the chocolates. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the speciality vendors. And so, so what I try to do is help clients select sort of three of those anchor vendors uh, around content, around web presentation and web rendering, and around the, the marketing automation process. So those are the three areas where they really need to sort of make a more strategic decision, something they'll stick with for maybe three to five years. And then in the individual skills like predictive analytics, um, like maybe a video uh, and all the other things that sort of not come and go, but are changing over time very rapidly, they would make sort of shorter term decisions about vendors that they need to be prepared to maybe change after maybe one year. Okay, so this is then the master plan for them to be developed over the years. Yeah, it's a combination uh, of sort of, you know, the suite and best in class sort of mm -hmm. options. Uh, we all have, we have this dilemma at the moment in marketing, but uh, You said at the start that uh, I've been around a long time and uh, that, that's very true. I mean, I've seen the same dilemma happen in accounting, mm -hmm. in procurement, uh, <laughs> in engineering and so on. It's always been the same thing. The, the larger vendors buy themselves a package uh, of different systems and have a suite. In marketing, it's called very often a cloud for some reason, but okay, um, this just terminology. Um, and these suites are... Lots of different products, most of which don't integrate to each other because it's through acquisition as yeah, opposed to organica building. The same, with the same impression. Peter, it's a habit, a tradition that at the end of the podcast, I always invite my guests uh, to share with our community one core message, one lesson learned uh, so that uh, for, the, for the closing comment, what would it be what you would like to give as an advice or recommendation our listeners, our B2B marketeers from, in regard to MarTech stack? Oh, um, I would sort of recommend to, to every marketer, whether they're making decisions about technology or decisions about the content they want to provide or the programs they want to create, uh, make sure that each decision you make is supported by 
a research in the marketplace. Ask or test your customers first for all of those decisions. Don't sort of work on instinct. Don't assume you know what your customers want. Uh, and I know very often in, in projects that I work on, I usually have the initial stage of a project is basically do a survey or talk to customers of the customer. And that's always the first part of the project that gets cut out because they want to reduce costs. And the agencies tell me that it's the same with their projects as well. And I don't think that's the right way to, to behave. So that would be my advice. Thank you so much, Peter, for taking your time. It was our pleasure, our honor. Peter O'Neill today on my Coffee Dog on our B2B Marketing Guidebook podcast. I am your host, Uwe Seebacher. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.